a sermon series entitled, You Belong Here. Uh, we've got one more week. Fran will be finishing it up next week. But we've been looking at the book of Ephesians. Uh, and in chapter 2, Paul basically, and we're using the, the message translation, basically says that, that you guys belong in the, in the kingdom of God. And he was talking to the, the, the Gentiles that were coming into faith and, and said, God has a place for you. And God does have a place for each one of us. We are created in his image and in his likeness. He loves each one of us, whether we're serving him or not. He loves every single person he's created. And he's in his, in his love and in his economy of things, he's got a place reserved for each one of us. Uh, there's a church family that he wants each person to be a part of. There's a community of faith that he wants everybody to be connected to. So you've got strength in numbers and you've got encouragement. You've got folks when you fall that are there to pick you up. People that will inspire you and encourage you and motivate you. And, and, uh, and then people for you to, to care for and love and to nurture. So it goes both ways. We're recipients of all this blessing, but also we're, we're able to, to use what God's given us to be a blessing to others. And so uh, everybody that you'll ever meet, uh, there's, a, there's a place for them. And so uh, as we're looking at this and unpacking this, this wonderful letter, uh, this morning I'm going to look at uh, two verses out of chapter 5. So if you've got your bulletin, uh, let me read this to you. And uh, then we'll start in chapter 1 and get to this verse. And I, I love it. So uh, buckle your chin straps because we're going to go through a lot of Scripture this morning. But uh, Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, that's a conjunction, and we'll talk about conjunctions in a minute. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So we're going to look at conjunctions this morning. It's, it's a word that connects something on this side or before it with something that comes after it. Paul uses two Greek conjunctions here. One is called un, and the other one is dia. And so these conjunctions are, are important in his letter because there's so many of them, and he gives some great theological understanding or some wonderful principle, and then he says, because of that, wherefore or therefore, I want you to do this, or I want you to respond this way, or I want you to understand that. And we're going to unpack some of those this morning quickly. Uh, but right here he says, as a result of all these things I've said, my passion, my hope, my desire is that you look to your heavenly father just as a child looks to their parent and you imitate them. You want to be like them. You want to do what they do. Uh, when I did campus ministry uh, for the six years that, that I did campus ministry, and that's how Fran and I met uh, doing campus ministry. Uh, she was at Mississippi State. I was at the University of Georgia. And then the guy at Mississippi State ended up going to the Philippines because we did some mission outreach during the summer in the Philippines. And Hundreds of kids were getting saved, and, and he was like, somebody's got to go be their pastor. Somebody's got to go. So the organization we were with sent him and his wife to, to, to go to the Philippines, uh, Manila, and, and they started a great ministry, and it just blossomed. Well, that opened up Mississippi State. And so I was at the University of Georgia, and they said, we want you to pray about going to Mississippi State. And I was like, well, I want to stay at Georgia. I don't want to go to Mississippi State. Why would I want to go to Starkville, Mississippi? But I prayed about it, and the Lord said, that's where you're supposed to serve me right now. I was like, yes, sir. So I packed up everything, moved to Mississippi State. Fran was my only staff worker. So this guy who goes to the Philippines is introducing me around and showing me things before he leaves. And he said, this is Fran McCree. She's your international student director. She's your women's minister. And she's the only staff person you got. And I was like, thank you very much. Nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, so, and I'll, t I'll tell this story. I'm, I'm getting off the path in a minute. Um, I got a point in telling you all this. But um, so in my mind, in my simple brain, because my grandmother saw my grandfather and said, oh, that's the guy I'm going to marry. And when my mother 
and my dad met, my dad said, oh, that's the woman I'm going to marry. So in my mind, I'm hearing these stories, and I'm thinking, okay, that woman that I'm going to meet, that God wants me to marry, right when I meet her, he's going to say, okay, that's the one you're supposed to marry, because that's how it happened for my grandmother on my mom's side and my dad. So I thought, well, that just, that just makes sense to me. So when I met Fran, uh, I, I said, Lord, is she the one? I kind of threw up this prayer. Is she the one? And I heard crickets. I heard nothing. So I thought... <laughs> I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to marry Fran Macri, so, uh, you know, we'll just be brothers and sisters of the Lord. We'll take this campus for Jesus, and, and we'll, uh, we'll do it. And so what God had in plan, planned for me, he couldn't reveal it to me right then because I'd mess it up, you know. <laughs> so he said, basically, after I look back, he said, I, you just got to wait for my time, and I'm going to tell you when it's the right time. So we had to work for about a year together before we, we became best friends and worked together and all this kind of stuff. And then, then he started speaking to us that we were the one, and it was glorious and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, I'm at Mississippi State, all of that to tell you, I'm at Mississippi State, and there's this woman who is a single mama, and she has a little boy named Rodwell. He is the cutest little fella you will ever meet in your life. Unless you have grandchildren, they're going to be cuter than Rodwell. But anyway, Rodwell, was, he was just adorable. He's a sweet little fella. And she said, you know, I want to come and, and be a part of the campus ministry, but y'all don't have children's mess. I know because we're a campus ministry. But, but, uh, but you're welcome to come and bring Rodwell. And he can stand right by me, sit right by me. That's okay. She said, really? And I said, yeah, yeah. So anyway, she would come. Rodwell would stand right beside me. And any time I would do this, Rodwell's watching me, and Rodwell's doing the exact same stuff, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I got a little mini-me here, you know. <laughs> Not the bad one that's in the, in the movie. But, but anyway, so, so anything I would do, Rodwell would do. And I just realized, wow, he really is, is you know, he doesn't have a father, and he's looking at me, and he's doing everything I do. And, and I'd, I'd be up there to preach, you know. I'd, I'd leave where I am, and, go, and he'd sit there, and I was just like, oh, wow. And I thought, you better be careful because the impact and the influence you have on a child is, is powerful. Let me read you this uh, little poem, The Author's Unknown. But it says, a little fellow follows me. It says, a careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare go astray for fear he'll go the self-same way. Not once can I escape his eyes wherever he sees me do, he tries like me, he says he's going to be that little champ who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me, he must not see that little champ that follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years that be that little champ that follows me. So this guy picked up on that idea that that children want to imitate, want to be like their parents in many sense when things are right. Uh, and there's that natural thing. Or there's someone in your life that might be a mentor, might be a coach, might be a teacher, or whatever it might be. That person you, you, you gravitate toward, you respect, you, you appreciate, and, and you want to emulate them. You want to be like them. And so Paul understands that principle, and he says, like beloved children, we as Christ followers need to be imitating our Heavenly Father. We want to be like Him. But he says, therefore, so we got to get to what is all that stuff before that that makes us want to be like our Heavenly Father. So that's where we're going this morning. So uh, in the first chapter of Ephesians, uh, Paul writes to the church and, and he says, grace be to you and peace, grace and peace. I love that. You, you, you see that all throughout the New Testament. God says, I want grace to be on them. So Paul says, oh, may God's grace be there. May God's peace be there for you. So grace and peace um, from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who, now this is what God does, He blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So any spiritual blessing you have and every spiritual blessing that you need, guess who gives it to you? God our Father. So God, this loving Heavenly Father, has blessed us and gives us everything we need. Now, as children, and, and we've got three daughters, we wanted to do the same thing. We wanted to give them everything they need. Not necessarily everything they want, exactly. Because we're selfish, and God knows that about us. And, and James writes about being selfish in his letter to the church. So he says, everything that you need in this life, every spiritual blessing, I'm going to provide that. Just like a loving father does, like a loving parent does, I'm going to be that for you. And, and he says that, man, God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Uh, in him, he chose us in Christ from the foundation world that we should be holy and blameless. So, so in Jesus, we have this ability to be like our heavenly father, holy and blameless. And that's, as he continues to write, there's more of that goal. We want to be like God. God is holy, absolutely pure. So we want our life to reflect that. And, uh, and, and so blameless. In other words, the choices that we make, we're not going to look back and have regrets on. We're not going to say, golly, why did I do that? And why did I fall into that trap? Or what did I, you know, so, so as we're holy and blameless, as we're living for him, uh, then and God gives us that ability to do that. And then he said he predestined us as adoption as children. So in other words, uh, and, and he'll unpack that in a minute. Uh, but we, we're in his family. So we can call him Father. Jesus said, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. We can address our Heavenly Father, God who created this holy being uh, as, as Daddy, this intimate relationship. We have that. And so he says, man, you've been adopted. Catch myself talking fast. Sorry about that. But this is pretty good stuff. So anyway, so we've been adopted into his family. And then it says that he goes on. He's redeemed us through Jesus because Jesus laid his life down in the bloodshed, cleanses us, washes us, buys us from the slave market of sin into the, into the family of God, from darkness into light. And so God does that in Jesus for us. We've been forgiven of our trespasses. In other words, the slate's been wiped clean. God lavishes upon us his grace, his blessings, all these kind of things. And then he makes known the mystery of his will. So all this stuff he's doing for us, and then he says, hey, but I don't want you to miss out on the best part. The best part is you knowing me, God said. I don't want you just to know about me. You need to know about me, but I want you to know me. So I've revealed myself to you. I'm revealing the mystery of my will. I'm revealing who I am to you. I'm making known to you who I am. So you don't have to make up, oh, this is who God is or this is who God is. No, God said, this is, this is who I am. And in Christ, he was, he was Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He was the exact representation of his nature. He is God Almighty. And so we, if we know, want to know how God would respond, we can look at the life of Jesus. How did Jesus respond in this way? Well, that's how God is going to respond in this way. What did Jesus teach us about right and wrong? Well, that's how God feels about right and wrong. This is, and so he, we have all of this. But God has chosen to make himself known to us. One of the, the longings of our heart is, is to know the people that we love and, and to spend time with them. That's one of the greatest gifts that we can give. When we did work in orphanages in Ukraine, these poor children, unfortunate in the sense of not necessarily rich and poor, but just these unfortunate children, there's unfortunate children all over the world, but they, they didn't have a loving mom and dad to take care of them, so they were living in these orphanages. And there's lots of reasons. Sometimes their parents were actually had passed. Some of them were incarcerated. There's all kind of reasons. But, but these precious children, so we'd go work with them. And uh, after the first year, we talked to a missionary. We said, you know, what can we, what, what's, what's the need? What do, we, what do we really need to be doing? He said, here's what they need. They need a loving adult who's willing to spend time with them. That's what they need. So if you care about them, and you're genuine in that concern, 
just spend time with them. So we said, okay, that's what we'll do. So all the adults that would go over there through the years, and I was blessed to go 19 times, we'd go to the orphanage in the morning, and we'd spend time with the kids. That's what we do. We'd color. We'd do balloons. We'd do bubbles. We'd play soccer. We'd do things. We'd talk to them. Had a, had a translator. We had translators to talk to them. We just spent time with these children. And because they knew we cared about them, because we would come back at Christmas time, we'd come back in the summer, uh, they, they wanted to know us. You know, they, they, they would ask us questions. They, would, they, they, they just wanted to know us. Not that all these Americans come and they give us all this stuff, and they, and they, which we did, but it's we, we spent time with them. And so Jesus says, I want you to know the God who created you. I want you to know him personally. But the sin we've committed has messed that up. And so I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to take your punishment so you can have this relationship with God, the Father who loves you. But here's what he's like. Here's who he is. And he would say and teach parables. You know, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is similar to this. And he would tell us a story, tell us a parable. And we would say, oh, okay, that's, we can wrap our hands around, heads around what it's like to live in this wonderful community. And like we've talked about in the sermon series, there's a place for everybody. So it doesn't matter what you've done. God sees it. God knows it. That's not significant enough to keep you out of this family. So the worst thing that you can even imagine a person doing, the blood of Jesus is powerful enough if that person confesses and repents to forgive them. And that's where grace comes in. Because we say, you know, justice demands that, you know, that person did that, how horrible that is. They need, they need to be punished. Well, that punishment Jesus took on himself. So we can be redeemed. We can be forgiven. We can be set free. Free to love. Free to forgive others. Free to, free to be like our Heavenly Father. Imitating him in all things. And, 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 and that's, that was what Paul encouraged the church to do. So he unpacks all these things in chapter 1, and he goes on and he talks about that the Holy Spirit was given us and, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit as a promise from God. And then he goes on and, and has a beautiful prayer for them in chapter 1. And, and then he talks about how, how God, like I said before, you know, God placed the sin of human, humankind on Jesus, and, and Jesus died and was buried, and God raised him from the dead and has seated him high above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And, and, and so all things are subject to Jesus. And so he, he talks about this, this wonderful uh, salvation plan that God has for us. And then he says, and, and the reality is that, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he says, but God made us alive together in Christ. And so this, this, this truth that we need to understand that we were walking in darkness and God brought us into light. And God, because he was so rich in mercy and his love for us, he, he calls us to be born again. And he says, you're saved by grace through faith. And he, and he unpacks that. Uh, and then he says, therefore. So one of the first conjunctions in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, therefore. He says, remember. Remember the fact that you were formerly in your sinful state alienated from God. That you, you, you were Gentile, so you weren't Jewish in the fact that you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and your lineage was traced back there, and they had the promises through Moses and all that stuff. You guys were... were what we call Gentiles, all of us were, that weren't Jews, you know, bless you. And so it's like, <laughs> he, said, he said, remember this fact, 
that you were alienated, hostile in mind. You were enemies of God, but God, because he loved you, brought you in and made the two one, the Jews and the Gentiles, the Greeks and the Hebrews, and, and all of the slave and the free. He said, it doesn't matter your background. That's not submission enough to keep you out of the kingdom of God. God brings everybody together. So he says, he says because of all this, remember that you were apart from God, but God brought you together. The two became one, and that's where our passage comes in, that all of this happened, and, and there's a place for you. God has a place for you. God wants you to be a part of his family. God has done all this work so you can be a part of his family. He wants to be this loving parent who lavishes everything on him, blesses you, and does all these things for you. But you got to trust in Jesus. you got to give your life to him. you got to surrender everything and, and yield to him. And when you do that, all of this blessing comes your way. So that's the first conjunction. He says, gosh, remember that stuff. And then he goes on. Chapter 2 continues. There's so much good stuff. Ooh, I'm skipping some stuff. I shouldn't, but I should. Um, that we got this household, chapter 3. He says, now I'm writing you this letter. Remember, I'm in prison. I'm in prison because I've preached the gospel that the Gentiles have a place in the kingdom of God just like the Jews. And the Jews didn't like the fact that Gentiles were getting saved. And I've gone and ministered to them just like when Jesus was around. The Pharisees and scribes didn't like Jesus talking to other folks. And, and, and the kingdom of God is beyond just the, the, the chosen people in the Old Testament. God's expanded that now that everybody in Christ is a part of this family. This blessing that he gave to Abraham and his descendants, he gives now to everybody in Christ. And so, so he's reminding them of this. And he says, I'm in prison because I'm preaching that gospel. The good news to everybody. So don't, don't be, uh, Mark McGunney translation, don't be bummed out <laughs> that I'm in prison. God is still at work. And I'm writing this letter to encourage you. And he says, um, that this gospel is to be preached everywhere, and God is, and, and that, and he says, the next transition there, or, or, or conjunction, chapter 3, verse 13, therefore, he says, I ask you not to lose heart because of my tribulations, and in that wonderful prayer that he prayed that I preached on a couple of weeks ago, you know, that, um, just as a recap, you know, that, um, that every family on earth and heaven derives its name from God. God's a source of all that. Uh, he's granted the power that he might strengthen you in your inner man. Remember we talked about that, the pressures of the world trying to cause you to cave in. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. That's how you access all this blessing, being rooted and grounded in love. We talked about that. That we would comprehend with all the saints the depth and the length and the breadth and, the, and all of the love of God which surpasses comprehension. And that we would be able to continue to bless God in all things. Then chapter 4, there's another conjunction. Because of all that, he says um, that I want to encourage you, entreat you, implore, just, just, just beg you in a sense to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you've been called. And he says, he says because of all these great things God's done for you and because of the fact that now you're part of his family, he says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then later on he says, be imitators of God like beloved children. But he says, man, live the, live the faith, live the life. Don't just say it out of your mouth and then live in a way you shouldn't live. And he goes on to talk about some of these things. Humble, be humble, be gentle with one another, be patient with one another, love one another, be careful for one another, keep the unity of the faith. And Fran, Fran, Fran kind of preached on this a couple of weeks ago, that, that this unity of the faith, what happens is it, it, it can be corroded and, and, and destroyed because of letting Satan have a foothold and, and us being angry with one another, bitter with one another, uh, desiring things that you shouldn't desire, all these things. And he reminds them, you know, to, to walk in a manner where the Lord and, and resist all those things that are going to just shipwreck your faith. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that, that God wants us to be unified and, and be together, and, and, he, and, he, and God gives us the power. Then in chapter 4, verse 17, there's another therefore, and there's another conjunction. Now, when I was a freshman at Georgia, 
uh, my sister, when I graduated from high school that, that, that June, gave me a Bible. And so I took it to school, and about, when was it? In November, because it was, I think, whatever, it was a Georgia-Florida weekend, whatever that game was, and that's when Lindsey Scott caught the pass, ran the end zone. Run, Lindsey, run. I was in the end zone. We just we were going crazy. Well, anyway, right before that weekend, I, I got the Bible out, and I was reading in my dorm room, and I came across this passage in Ephesians, verse 17, and, it, and basically, if you ever had the Scripture speak to you, you'll always remember it. It's seared in your mind when God just speaks to you through the Scripture. And this was one of those times where I was reading the Bible, and it's like Almighty God is talking to Mark Magoni. And I was like, wow. And basically it said, you didn't learn about Jesus Christ and live this way to be living in an ungodly way now. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, I've made some poor decisions this fall, and I've done some things I'm embarrassed about, and, and I need to get back on track. So that weekend, uh, a bunch of my fraternity brothers, we were going to drive down to Jack, uh, Jacksonville, which we did, and go to the game and have a great time. But when I read that, I was like, okay, I don't need to be partnering with Jack Daniels anymore, and Jim Bean needs to stay in the car, and I don't need to be, you know, all the other stuff. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to touch any of it. So I made that decision. So all weekend long, you go into the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, if you're a Georgia fan, you know that. Um, well, I, I didn't touch a drop, and I was like, I remember everything. This is great. <laughs> so uh, it, was a, it was a great weekend. We won the game, and it was awesome. And Herschel, you know, was a freshman, and we won the national championship and all that kind of stuff. Georgia fans, you can appreciate it. Other fans, no, I don't mean to rub it in. <laughs> but the bottom line is God spoke to me, and he said, you, you know better. And I am your heavenly father, and you're not imitating me. You're not being like me. You've embraced some things. You've done some things, and he got me back on track. And that was one of the things that, that God used. And then that spring is when I really surrendered everything to God. I just said, you know, I, I give you everything. Even though I had been walking with him and I had this uh, up and down kind of, I'd get a case of the do-betters. You know, I'd do better for a little while and do better. But, but, I just, but, but there was a total surrender that happened. In that spring, and by God's grace, I've never looked back. But that passage of Scripture in Ephesians 4, God just said, Mark, I'm talking to you, and I want you to listen. And, and by God's grace, I did. But he talks about, you know, just walking and laying aside the old self and putting on the new self and being, being like Jesus in this world. Now we're getting to chapter 5, which is really good. Um, but let me, let me say verse 32 of chapter 4. If you haven't memorized this verse, this is a really good verse to memorize. Now, I love the New American Standard, so I'm going to be reading out of it. But it's Ephesians 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, 32. Ephesians 4, what? 32, yeah. This is a great verse. It says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. The verse that we talked about today. But verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. It's so, so important. So these conjunctions, these therefores, there's so many things that we've talked about this morning through the book of Ephesians. There's so many great things God has done for us. So many awesome things he wants you to know about himself he is so amazing, so mighty, so loving, so powerful, so awesome, so pure. And to think that we can call him daddy, heavenly father, that we can have a relationship with this God. And because of all that blessing, 
Paul writes to the church, and I'm encouraging you today, let's imitate our Heavenly Father. Let's walk in a manner worthy of God. Let's lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run our race with endurance for the joy that's set before us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and let's enjoy this life that God has for us. And like Fran preached last week, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be a wrestling match, and he gets into that in the next chapter. She preached it last week. But in the midst of that, what has God done? He's given us everything we need, the weapons we need for the warfare, which is a spiritual warfare. He's given us the victory in Christ Jesus. He's given us brothers and sisters to, to stand alongside of us and go to battle with us. We've got everything we need. And let's celebrate this wonderful God. Let's live in a way that glorifies him. Let's, let's honor God with our love and forget with our life and forgive one another and be kind to one another, be patient with one another. Do all these things that Paul writes in this letter and other places in the New Testament and things that we know that make life better. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, we want to imitate you as beloved children, as, as a loving Heavenly Father. We know that uh, you... Gosh, Father, you made the first step toward us. Uh, we didn't choose you, but you chose us. And Jesus, you made it all happen. And uh, Lord, we know that whew, we couldn't do it without your grace. And we know that there's people in our life that we have looked to. There's people in our life that we have loved. Lord, we're, we're just so overwhelmed by, by that greatness. But, Lord, there's a lot of folks that are hurting and, and, and haven't had good role models and haven't had good people to follow. But, Jesus, you are that for us. And, Lord, for the little Rodwells in our life, the little people that look up to us, help us to be faithful, to, to live a life that glorifies you, whether it's our children, our grandchildren, our neighbor, or a person in our a classroom, or, or a peer that we work with, or someone that, uh, that we just know from family, friends. Lord, help us to be men and women that... Others want to be like because we're trying to be like you. And, Lord, thank you for forgiving us for the times we've fallen short, the times we've not even thought about you, Lord, the times that we've just lived our own life. And, uh, and Lord, like you did for me my freshman year, you, you began to nudge me and got me back. Uh, you let your word speak clearly to me, and, and, uh, and we're willing to forgive me and, and, uh, and, and just make it uh, so easy to walk with you. And, and, Lord, in the struggles that we have, we have the victory in you, and, and we have everything we need in, in a church family to love us and support us and help guide us through your spirit. Oh, we're so grateful for all these things, Lord. We just, we're just so, so grateful. And for that, we pray in Jesus' name.